this is I'm Dealing With. I'm your host, Sean Bowden. I thank you in advance for listening as we dive through discussions that we men deal with on a daily basis. Strap in, hold on, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Sean, your host of I'm Dealing With. Um, hope everybody is being safe and following all the proper protocols. And for today's topic, we will be talking about the question or statement of, so you're safe now. Uh, many people right now are going through safety right now, safety for the family, safe, safety for the children. They're going through safety in the workplace. Um, safety at home, safety in houses of worship, uh, safety on the street, safety in the stores. So we will be talking about safety and why it's important. Well, um, here we go. Let's dive right in. What does safety mean? The safety means the condition of well-being protected from or unlikely to cause danger, uh, risk and or injury. Safety is, for some people, a sense of well-being, a sense of welfare, a sense of protection, and or a sense of security. Safety, believe it or not, also is knowing the potential or current hazards, but however, put protocols and measures in place where safety is either eliminated and or reduced. And we find that many times, um, especially in the workplace, uh, you'll find that there are many areas that cause concern that can affect all different types of people. That includes your management team, that include, includes your uh, your workers, your associates. Uh, but believe it or not, we have these same type of things going on even in our own homes. And sometimes in our own homes, um, I know one place that has been very prone to child injuries, and I've seen it all too many times. I've heard about it, I've read about it, I've talked about it on the news, it's been on the internet, it's been on social media, and that is those pods, believe it or not. Uh, those pods that you use um, both in the uh, for the dishwasher, which is under the sink usually, or wherever you actually keep those, um, those pods, I think they're like Cascade, I know Cascade makes a couple of them, a couple other plates, uh, um, manufacturers that can make these pods, but they're uh, so appealing to children because they look at them, they look colorful, they look awesome to look at, and then all of a sudden, you know how children are, you know, they're very um, uh, curious. Next thing you know, hey, not only does it look good, hey, I wonder if it tastes good, and you know, and children have a tendency to put things in their mouth, and and what happens is every every time I've seen it, I have yet to see anybody especially a, a younger child ever come back from that um, the same thing with the pods that they use for for laundry now these are the same type of um, deal that you do not want your children uh, or your young toddlers or let alone anybody to try to swallow these things it just doesn't make sense it's, it's not a good thing so it's like what are we doing what do we do um, to make sure and ensure that 
we are safe, that our children are safe, number one, our toddlers, our infants. I mean, what are we doing to maintain, maintain a safe environment, both at home as well as at work? And then now with the um, this new thing of the, the COVID-19, uh, the coronavirus, um, I mean, what are we really doing to stay safe? I mean, are we using our masks? Um, or, uh, uh, you know, some say that it doesn't work. We just put them around for no reason. But, you know, if somebody coughs in front of your face, I guess it does work. What are we doing? Um, there's a lot to really talk about when it comes to safety. So I have taken the liberty of going through a couple different things. And then so what I want to talk first about is not just um, safety at home. I'm going to start with, believe it or not, the workplace. Because my hat goes off to many of you that are still out there working. You're still out there grinding. <clears throat> you know, they say um, TGIF. You know, um, you know, thank God it's Friday. And uh, the sad part about it is the grind includes Friday. Um, so, but for those of you that are out there, you're on the front line, I applaud you. I salute you especially your, your healthcare workers that are out there. I salute you 100%. Uh, my prayers go out to you and your family. I thank you for all your support that you're doing, that you're trying to keep uh, the public safe. You're trying to keep your hospitals safe, your doctor areas, your uh, pharmaceutical areas. You're trying to keep people safe. My hat goes out to you, and I pray a prayer blessing on each one of you and your households for being that front line of defense for the people, trying to help the people, even at sometimes the cost of putting yourselves at risk to help others. That is awesome in that regard that you would even do that. Um, and I, I personally uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'm sure those that are listening and those that um, that come in contact with you, those that need your assistance, they... Um, salute you as well. So safety, um, there's um, a couple of different areas of safety I want to talk about. Again, we're going to deal first with the workplace. And, uh, you know, I was doing my research, going through some things, and I find out that, you know, OSHA identifies five major safety area types, uh, five of those. Um, first one being chemical, second one being ergonomic, a third one being physical, fourth, psychosocial. I was like, what? Psychosocial? What is that? Well, we'll roll into it. And the other one, of course, is workplace. So let's start with number one, chemical. Chemicals at the workplace or home can range from cleaning products to chemical production. When chemicals are not used, stored, or handled properly, is what you talked about, uh, as we use those Tide Pods, you know, at home, or those cascade or whatever those those type of pods are the different manufacturers pods what are we doing when they're not actually being used um so it says, it says it needs to be stored or handled properly they can cause injury illness fire or even explosions at the extreme you know um so this is workplace but if we also apply this to home uh, uh let me talk to my guys my fellas <clears throat> i know for me i have a cabinet that has a couple different things. It might have a carburetor cleaner. It has, um, oh my God, brake cleaner. It has your WD-40. Um, there is a lacquer thinner in there. I do believe there's a fingernail polish. 
uh, remover uh, type of thing in there. I do I do know that there's a rubbing alcohol in there, uh, which is that uh, isopropyl alcohol. So there's a couple different things, but I keep that cabinet locked. Okay, so when I'm not using that cabinet, I actually lock it so no one else can get in but me. Um, and that's at home. So in the workplace, we also need to make sure that things are locked up, that they're put back where they belong. They're not found or easily accessible to those that have no idea what they're getting into. And I, I hate to say it, but sometimes we as adults, men as well as women, we tend to grab things. We don't necessarily know what they are. We just figured, hey, I think this could be used for this, or I think this could be used for this. But there hasn't any been there hasn't been any proper training. So if you're a trainer or um, a place, uh, a person of responsibility, a place in leadership, please take the time to train and educate your team. It's not enough to just sit down and have a quick class and go over some paperwork. One-to-one training is the best. Take them out to the floor. Take them out to your garage. Take them out to wherever that is where you keep these solvents, where you keep these um, flammable products, where you keep these toxins, where you keep these different things. Um, They need to be properly trained on, number one, what they do, why you would use them, and in, uh, in place or possibility of exposure, what is the safety measure to make sure things continue to happen and protect themselves. So make sure you do that, okay? Because it goes on to say, ways that chemicals can harm residents or workers can include contact with skin, inhalation, ingestion. The impact can take place immediately and or over time. So make sure you also in that training, if you're ever exposed, teach them to say, I've been exposed. It was five minutes ago, two minutes ago. No matter how light it is or how severe it is, allow them an open door policy where they can come in and say something without knowing that there'd be any backlash. Because the end result is for that worker or that, um, that child, whatever, to be able to uh, get back to 100%. That is always the goal. Um, so we want to make sure that they're good. We want to make get the medical attention they need and all the other different things. It says one way to prevent uh, chemical hazards from negatively impacting the workplace or at home is ensure that all residents, workers, supervisors, and are, are properly trained. So even if you're in leadership, you need to be properly trained. It might not be an area that you even go into, but you need to know. I mean, for instance, let's just say your counterpart is out sick for whatever reason or that counterpart is on vacation or whatever the case may be because we do understand that life happens and when life happens there needs to be countermeasures and protocols in place just in case that first person that is responsible is not there there has to be a backup that picks up the slack um, and understands uh, what needs to happen so always have a backup plan and a backup plan to that because again life happens people quit people get fired people find other jobs people die people get sick they go on vacation 
So you need to always have a backup to the backup to the backup. And the goal is because you have to have a, um, an overview of everything. See further. Don't just see where you are. Plan for what's to come. Don't plan for where you are. Plan to, for where you want to go. Because remember, the saying is, planning a, a failure to plan is an automatic plan to fail. If you have no plan, you've already failed. So plan, plan, plan. Okay, so that, again, let's just talk about uh, the chemical side of it. So let's talk about the ergonomic side. And ergonomics, we for the most part have an understanding or quick understanding of ergonomics and how that affects individuals. Um, in the home, ergonomics is how high or how tall is the sofa? Um, how high or how tall is the, uh, the dining room table from the chair that you're sitting in or that counter height uh, a counter from the stool um, when you're in the kitchen area how far is the sink from the stove to the refrigerator there's all kinds of de things dealing with ergonomics it could be in your home office how high is that desk how high is the chair is it adjustable is it going to cause problems with your wrist, especially if you're using a mouse or things of that sort? How comfortable is the chair? How, how the, the angle of your legs and your feet, how does that affect what you do with your back or, or your, your, um, your tush? Um, all these different things. You know, we understand that there's a whole lot of different muscles within your wrist, your arms, and so on and so forth that are affected by ergonomics. So let's dive right in. Ergonomic ha hazards are present in many types of environments, from offices to construction sites. This includes injury or strains from repetitive strains, strains from lifting, pushing, pulling, standing, uh, shift work, meaning you're shifting from one thing to another. You're, you're, you're going from stooping to standing to, to bending to this and that, so shift work, you're shifting a lot, or slips and falls. We know um, that uh, my previous place of uh, employment they were big on safety. They were big on slips and falls to make sure that these areas were um, eliminated. Okay, so ways to manage ergonomic uh, hazards include making sure that everyone has the right equipment and tools to do their job. <clears throat> Excuse me, but man, that is a big one. Is um, we find that many times we will give somebody a uh, a drill um, that's heavy and they say hey just just smack on this nail with the back of this drill real quick and that'll fix the problem just use this saw to cut off this little thing and that'll fix the problem just use you know and what happens is we're giving people the wrong tool to uh, do a job and then we wonder why there are injuries if you need to hammer something in the wall, give them a, make sure they have the, a hammer. If they need to put a screw in the wall, make sure you find out if it's a Phillips head or a flathead and give them the proper tool to do the job. Sometimes it's a hex bit. Sometimes it's an Allen wrench head. Sometimes they need a, an adjustable wrench with a socket on it. Sometimes it's it's a bunch of different things. So we need to make sure that people have the right tool to do their job. 
for instance, when I've seen it in many occasions in, uh, in the workplace where uh, the job is setting up desks for associates and or employees and they just throw a desk out there, here's a chair, now you can sit down, you don't have to worry about standing with a cart anymore. But that's not where, it's, that's not where it ends because now it's how high is the desk? Is the chair adjustable or not? You can't leave a desk at a certain height and then give a chair at a certain height because we are all different sizes. The, the, the five foot one uh, young lady who sits at the desk at various times versus the six foot two gentleman who sits at the desk at, at the same desk at various, various times, they're gonna have two different ways of doing their job because of how their arms and wrists and different things fit on the table, the height and the angle. And, the, and over time, someone's going to get injured. Carpal tunnel, believe it or not, is a big thing. And we all hear about it. You know, we all hear about it. So we have to think about how can we give the people what they need um, to get the job done, but, how, but even more so, how can we keep them safe when they do their job? So even at the level of just a chair and a desk, if they sit there for three, four, five, six, seven hours, eight, nine, ten hours, and this is all they do for their job all day long, how can we do our best to make sure maybe there's a wrist protector, there's an adjustable chair, maybe it reclines, maybe it doesn't, maybe it has uh, some lumbar support, uh, maybe the, the desk can be adjustable up and down. I mean, all these different things. Maybe for the feet, is there, is there a way we can put something under their feet to adjust the angle of their feet or the legs to make them more comfortable? This is very imperative when you're trying to take care of the, the associates and or employees you work with or who work for you. Again, the goal is to make sure they go home the same way they showed up on a daily basis. If they came in 100%, you want them going home 100%. You don't ever want a, um, an injury or um, a claim to come back and it's your fault because your lack of sensitivity, because you want the job done or you just want to throw something in there to appease them, but we don't look at the safety aspect. Okay, so this is once again ergonomics. We want to empower them to perform exercises with stretches to prevent uh, musculoskeletal uh, disorders. This is all with ergonomics. It's very important that, you know, whether even in a workplace or even at home, have something at home to where you're stretching out yourself before sitting down. There's a lot of people right now that are working from home that have possibly never worked home before, or they've worked home, worked from home maybe one day a week, or maybe even once a month, maybe twice a week. But now, more and more people now are working from home. There are also more entrepreneurs than ever those that are starting their own businesses from home. Very important that you think about how can you make sure that you're protecting yourself. When you get up in the morning, make sure you're eating properly, you're doing these different things. Maybe you're going for a walk on your treadmill. Maybe you're going for a quick bike ride before you get started throughout your day. But also include some stretching before you sit down at that desk or you have a standing desk include some stretching some wrist stretches some finger stretching some shoulder stretches neck stretches and different things before you sit down and start your grind for that day
Okay, the next one, uh, we're going to go into physical. <clears throat> physical hazards are substances or activities that threaten your physical safety, such as conditions that can cause injury, illness, and death. The most common physical hazards are temperature. We know what temperature is. Okay, air quality, mold, noise, or radiation. Hmm, I didn't really think noise was in there, but it can because that messes with your, your equilibrium, dealing with your ears, and so on and so forth. So that can happen. These hazards are particularly relevant for workers who uh, work in industrial environments, such as in oil, gas, mining, construction, and more. <coughs> and believe it or not, excuse me, if you work in a factory-based setting, and when I say factory, that means when you're, if you're in any type of warehousing, that's kind of like on a factory, like a, um, a distribution uh, supply chain. Um, again, it talked about the, uh, the mines, uh, construction even, believe it or not, especially if you're indoor construction, you're doing um, uh, uh, commercial. Um, if you're a type of person who works with Caltrans type of deal, where you're dealing with a lot of uh, heavy machinery and things of that sort, there's a whole lot of physical things that can um that can hurt you real real bad not just with um the machinery that's moving but also the noise because the noise levels are so high in these type of environments and they're it's not these these are not quiet places by all means it's very imperative that you're wearing the proper ear protection whether it be um earplugs that you're putting on some type of uh, uh, uh noise canceling headphones something We've got to be aware of these things. And if you're working with heavy machinery, we have to respect the power that these things put out. Okay, because, um, you know, I've been in several different places, watched several videos, but I've actually seen several things. Um, I'll, I'll just throw this uh, one story out to you. Uh, at one of my previous places of employment, um, we were working on a dock and um, we were uh, unloading a trailer and making sure some things were good and uh, I was supervising the area and I heard in one of the other areas on another shift that someone was uh, directing a trailer to uh, back up into the dock area so it could be unloaded and the driver thought that this gentleman moved out the way and couldn't see him so instead of stepping out of the trailer, out of his uh, tractor to make sure the guy was clear, he continued to keep backing up, thinking that he was good, only to find that the guy was still in the, um, in the area and he was talking to the gentleman on the inside of the dock area, letting him know what was going on. And the trailer backed in and completely pinched him and crushed him between the wall of that open door and the trailer itself. Needless to say, he lost his life. And there's a safety and risk area that is involved because we don't respect. We just figure that it's no big deal. We have to be very safety conscious. If there's ever a question in your mind and you're operating any type of heavy equipment, if there's if if a question ever pops up, I'm gonna say, I wonder if you stop and you take the time to look.
another area of um, uh, safety is um, when you're going through, especially if you're in a manufacturing type of environment, <clears throat> and you have a lot of things that go a lot of different directions and move all the way around. Uh, we know a lot of these, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big companies out there right now. <clears throat> who deal with manufacturing, supply chain, and distribution, and, and so on and so forth. And if you look at your Walmarts and your Amazons and your, um, your other major car carriers, your, your UPSs, your, your postal services, and your, your FedExes, and all these different places, there's all types of different moving parts that happen in these environments that can cause physical harm. One of the ways that can cause physical harm is when somebody's trying to clear out an area and they don't pay attention, they're not looking below them or up uh, or above them and end up um, cutting themselves on what's above. I've seen people where they've actually scalped their head on something above them because they were so busy looking down that they weren't looking up at where they were going. Physical, physical, physical. In these environments, companies and supervisors and workers need to work closely together to manage the risk. Companies must ensure the right equipment, monitoring, and training is provided. And workers have to proactively communicate with each other. And that's one of the other big things in dealing with any type of safety. We have to be able to communicate to each other. You must communicate. In order to do anything and accomplish anything big, you must be able to communicate. And everybody must be on the same page and in order to be on the same page the only way to do that is through communication that must happen at all levels it doesn't matter if you're the ceo or you're the janitor it doesn't matter if you're the husband or the toddler there must be communication in the home the husband and wife need to communicate uh, that spouse needs to communicate to the children uh, the children need to communicate to their to the babies or the, the younger, but there must be communication in that house, in that workplace, wherever that is, okay? And that's how we can avoid some physical stuff, making sure we're doing all the right things. We're talking to each other. We're communicating to each other about the, the threats and possibilities of how we can be injured. Um, by lifting something wrong, by pushing something wrong, by bending the wrong way, by twisting, which we should never do. We should always step and pivot when we do anything. We must bend at our knees when we're doing any type of lifting and lower. Never use your back. The back is the smallest muscle in your body. The biggest muscle in your body are your legs. You must use your legs to do anything. Okay, so uh, psychosocial. <clears throat> this was an area that I was like, wait, wait, what is psychosocial? This is, this is weird. Psychosocial hazards are stress, violence, and are bullying in the home or workplace environment. So I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's dealing with the psyche. It's dealing with the mind. And in all those different areas of dealing with the mind, violence, bullying, stress, hmm, that can happen at home, that can happen in the workplace, it can happen on the school, anywhere. Any of these different things that can happen. Uh, a bad customer comes in, starts, you know, giving you a mouthful, just has an attitude, and you're all stressed out. 
You work for a boss who has no compassion, who doesn't understand. They're, they're a type of person that they're very a matter of fact. They're not even a people person. And all they care about is themselves and not the people that work for them. Or they're very disrespectful, whatever the case may be. And they're talking to you any old kind of way. That can cause stress. And the sad part about all that is that can also then produce violence. Or you, you're living with somebody who's violent. You're working with somebody who's violent. You're going to school with somebody who's violent. And we hear it all the time of people coming into school grounds, they're coming into the workplaces, they're coming into the home and bringing violence. And it messes with the psyche, it messes with your mind, it messes with your state of mind. And you find out that many times it's the bullying, it's the stress, it's the, uh, the cares of life that are really messing with your mind. So let's continue. This can uh, involve how workers interact with, with uh, other workers on emotional responses, workers that have neg negatively impacted a worker's productivity or effectiveness. Companies should have resources or a department that workers can contact if experiencing stress, harassment, or other concerns. There's nothing like being in a workplace, nothing at, like at home or even at school and something happens and you have nobody to go to. I experienced at one point in time where um, someone decided to um, spread something that was dealing with a, a sexual harassment in nature and I had to go to HR and express it. I had to go report it. And there's nothing worse than you reporting it and it takes them forever to do anything about it. It's hard to know, to think that um, this is the place where I'm supposed to go get help, that I can talk about whatever I'm experiencing because it's coming at me. And then the person or persons who are responsible for making sure that you get the help that is needed drag their feet. It's a bad deal. It's, it's a bad deal. And if you're a person who is in HR, if you're a person who uh, works in that particular field and someone comes to you with a serious concern, take the time out to address it, please, please, please. Because if by not addressing it and by not addressing it quick and getting down to it, that can bring violence in the workplace because sometimes it escalates. Um, you have a person that claims some type of harassment. He walked up um, in the workplace or at the school to a child and or worker, says something very derogatory to him, and uh, that child or worker has now reported it. And then the person responsible for solving that problem drags their feet and either that person comes back and, and, and it gets worse and it becomes violent. Or the person decides to take matters into their own hands and becomes vengeful and decides to handle it on their own. Yet we're also the first ones that are going to be there to blame it on them when in actuality, if we would have done something about it, if we would have done our research, we'd have done our investigation. If we would have brought other people in to help us um, solve the case, solve the problem, 
we'd have been a lot better off. Please, if there's any type of um, sexual or harassment or anything that is a bullying or whatever, and if you're experiencing that and you're receiving that, please report it. It doesn't matter what level of age you're at. Please report it. And if you're received, the person who is the person or persons who is receiving the report, do something about it. Doing nothing is saying I don't care. Dragging your feet saying is saying you don't matter. And there's nothing worse than dragging your feet and then the two people still work in the same area. And then you're saying to yourself, oh, nothing will happen after this. It's no big deal. That's not cool, guys. That's not cool. We have to make sure that we are doing the jobs that we're getting paid for. If something is reported, please do something about it. Companies should have resources or department workers that they can contact if they are experiencing stress. Managers, supervisors should have regular meetings with workers on a one-to-one -one basis where they can voice their concerns. <clears throat> if you're in a place of leadership, if you stand in any type of level of leadership, whether you're a team lead, you're a manager, you're a supervisor, you're the CEO, CFO, um, you're an HR manager, a director, whatever that is, maybe you're just the, maybe you're the parent or the teacher, whatever that is, whatever place of leadership you stand in, you must effectively communicate to the people that work with you and for you or those that you work for and communicate what needs to happen. Here's where we are, here's what we need to do. If you ever experience this, please come to us. Here's what we're gonna do in this regard. Here's how it happens. Here's, you know, they need to know that there's an open door policy where they can come and be able to express their concerns. And also, if there's anything that is going on within the workplace, you must, as a leader, as a leader, be very, very cautious when dealing with sensitive information. Be very, very cautious. Why? Because what we don't want is the backlash of because you've decided to tell somebody, hey, by the way, I heard that so-and-so, and by the way, I heard that so-and-so, and you start talking to people about what's going on and then you've got what is called a potential lawsuit coming in and that's the last thing you want is you have allegations of possible harassment, allegations of possible bullying, allegations of this, that and the other and then on top of that you then have spoken to some people that are spreading things around that have now put you in a legal aspect which is what you don't want as well. So make sure you're very conscientious about the things you do when you do them. But please make sure you do them, all right? Okay, and then this was just generic, just dealing with workplace. And this is just workplace hazards. And I'm just gonna deal with this general and we're just gonna move on from this because we know that workplace hazards, um, there's plenty of them. There are plenty of hazards. Whether it's a ladder standing the wrong way, that's stored wrong, whether there's a box hanging over the rail, whether there's a rail standing out, whether there, it, you can probably walk around your home right now and find hazards. <clears throat> you can find them all the time. You can walk around your car 
and find half as good. If you were to walk out in your garage right now, if you just walked out in your garage, wherever your car is parked, you'll find habits. You walk into grocery stores, there are habits. But the thing about it is putting protocols and things in place. We know that, hey, you know, for instance, you're in your house and today's the day to mop the floor. And we're sweeping and mopping the floor, or dusting or whatever that is. We're using some of these cleaners and we're using some of such and such. And um, I'll just use an example. Let's just say uh, you just finished cleaning out uh, your tub or your sink and you happen to use Comet let's just, or Ajax, whatever that is. So you've cleaned your sink thoroughly or that tub thoroughly or whatever that is and you've left your container of Comet or Ajax sitting on, on top of the sink or counter or maybe you put it on the kitchen table because you decided to go to the restroom. But then there are other people who are in your house who are not adults. What are we saying to the people that are still around? We're saying that that's okay. Accidents do happen, if you, especially if you have toddlers, even if you have youth, and they spill some of those different things on the floor, you're away. What do you do? What are you going to do? What do you do? You're mopping the floor. Today's the day to mop the floor. You mop it, but you're not letting anybody, you know, you just mop the floor real quick. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of an old school mopper. I know some of you guys use Swiffer and all that kind of stuff, but I'm an old school guy. I grab the, <clears throat> I create my bucket of water and grab my mop and stuff, and I'm used to wringing it out and all that. That's just my thing, you know, with using the pine saw or whatever that is, you know, to mop the floor. That's just my thing. That's how I was taught. That's how I was raised. I'm old school in that way. But when you're mopping the floor, there's only a certain amount of water you should have on the floor. And does it, have you told anybody, by the way, I'm mopping the floor, stay out of this area, or I'm mopping the, the, um, the bathroom floor, or I'm mopping the hallway. You know, some of you have hardwood floors, so it's not necessarily a mop per se, it's a, it's a different type of thing that put, puts some type of liquid on it, adds a shine to it, whatever that is. But are we communicating to make sure that they're safe? So in this general portion of dealing with workplace, workplace applies to your home place. Because in, in all honesty, if you're not safe at home, chances are you're not going to be safe at work. So in all facets and in all instances, safety starts at home. Even if it's dealing with, hey, I'm just driving my car, driving my car down the street. Are you paying attention? Are you actually stopping at the stoplight like that you should? Or are you doing that California stop roll, if you want to call it? Are we using our signals or are we just changing lanes just because? Are we cutting off cars just because? Because uh, we're trying to get somewhere. And then we wonder why there's so much road rage. Because, again, safety starts at home. Safety starts with you. Starts with me. Starts with me and mine. And if, I, if chances are, if I'm not being safe and not teaching safety to those that are beneath me, my children or my grandchildren or the people that I work with or the people I work for, if I'm not um, talking about safety and being safe, preaching safety and being an example of safety, <clears throat> nine times out of ten, the people that are around me are not going to be safe either. I have to be what I'm looking for. Okay, 
and you all have to be the same way. All right. So again, safety is very important. And men, you need to lead that charge in the way of safety. Again, we know this channel is really catered to men. But at the same time, we all need to be safe. And men, we have that headship. Okay. So we need to step up. Step up. Not step down. Step up and take that role. Okay. All right. So somebody, So that was kind of more so a business slash home safety. But here's some other safety that applies to everybody. So I have been looking up some different things and dealing with safety. And because especially dealing with the environment and the roles we are in now, how the world has changed, how shopping has changed, how our home life has changed, where we drive now has changed, um, what we buy now has changed, our importance now has completely changed because of what's happened in our environment. In the places that you live, many things have changed. And here's and here's some things that I've jotted down that we as a people, not just as men, but as a people need to do better. I have a lot of them. So get ready for it. So if you're taking notes, great, great. Continue to take those notes. Uh, we have a little bit more time on the table that we're going to be um, talking about this. So we have a little bit more time on the table. But we want to make sure that um, you effectively get every single point on this. OK, so we're going to start with this one. Um, never trust a door chain lock. I was like, wait, 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 what? It says never trust a door chain lock. So it says whether uh, in a hotel uh, or in a, a home, never rely on a door chain locks for safety. Even amateurs can often undermine them in seconds. You know, and I said, you know what, that's true. Because there have been plenty of times when, um, you know, many of us, we've rode motorcycles, bikes, or whatever the case may be, and we put in a bike lock, a chain, um, parked our bike, whatever the case may be, put that chain slash lock around it, and go to class, or go to wherever we, we, whatever we did, whether it's at the shopping mall, we rode a bike, or whatever the case may be. I know many of you have experienced that. And you come back and your bike is gone because somebody has, manipulated that chain or a lock to get past it so never trust a chain you know they can be cut real quick always use something of better quality to lock anything something better don't just buy something because eh, i think this might work think better okay um, i always put myself in a situation where i'll do my best to protect something but I also know that if something, if somebody wants it bad enough, they're going to do whatever it takes to take it. But I'm also not going to give them the opportunity to just take it just because, because I didn't do my um, fair job in order to protect it. I've always said, um, I used to say this plenty of times to my coworkers. Um, there's nothing wrong with people having a gun. And what I mean by this is, People will always say what they want about you. They'll always, you know, have an opinion. They'll always um, um, look for the negatives to put in your life, whatever that is. <clears throat> but the last thing you want to do is give them bullets. Meaning, don't give them, don't give them ammunition to fire back at you. So in this thief type platform, trusting a, just trusting a chain, 
if they're going to take it, fine, but make it at least make it as hard as possible is what I'm trying to say. Don't give them an easy way out. OK, so it says um, do not trust the chain. You know, they can be manipula manipulated and they can. OK, if you're going to lock up anything, make it as difficult as possible. <clears throat> OK, number two, I put tissues in peepholes. And I was like, why would I want to do that? Well, it says if you're ever staying in a hotel room that has a door with an uncovered peephole, put crumpled tissue in the peephole so that nobody can see into your room through the peephole. Not only that, this also applies to your home. Most peephole one-way technology can be defeated. If you have a peephole without a cover, especially at home, assume that people on the outside can look through the peephole to see if you're home on the inside. So if you do have a peephole on your door, either if you're at the hotel, there's not a whole lot you can do to it other than maybe just putting something over it real quick. Um, taping a cloth or whatever the case may be, maybe tissue paper over that peephole. But at home, especially if it's your place, you have uh, every reason to be able to put a, a cover on it. So that way when you're not using it, somebody from the outside is not looking into your home, looking through your front door to see if you're home, okay? So um, never give anybody um, the reason or the idea of um, thinking that your home is empty, okay? So... Keep, uh, number three, keep a, uh, your car key fob reachable from your bed. Your night table is a good storage location. <clears throat> I never thought that um, keeping a key fob was important, you know, not, you know, near your bed. Um, I have a different way of thinking in some regards. You know, I just have a thing that I do all the time. When I come in, I place my keys in a certain spot. I put my wallet in a certain spot. So that way, it's always available to me. I never have to go look for those things. But um, I'm going to, have to even, even me, I'm going to have to change the way I do um, certain things. It says, car fobs contain padded buttons. <coughs> and I didn't think that using a, uh, a panic button in the home was very important. But then I thought about it. What if something happened um, inside your home? You know, we look at, you know, the commercials where, you know, um, you know, some of some of the elderly people have fell to the floor and they, they push the, uh, the alert button and say, and the key phrase is, I've fallen down and I can't get up. And then all of a sudden they send somebody and most of us, you know, some of us, we don't have problems. Hey, I've fallen out. You know, some of us are younger. You know, I get it. You know, you're just younger. But I didn't think that having that key fob with that emergency panic thing was very important. Um, not in the home. But now that I think about it, it's very important that especially if your car is parked not too far from where you are, if it's parked in the garage, if it's parked, you know, whatever that is, um, something happens in the home. Uh, an intruder or whatever the case may be, and let's just say you don't have a physical, physical alarm on the home, you can use that by holding that panic button and having that horn and everything going off. You know, that does uh, alert people um, in your immediate, you know, environment around you that um, you're in trouble or something. I mean, at least it makes, you know, there's been some times I've had, like, hey, why is somebody's car going off, you know? So, um, 
it does it does draw attention. So that's a good thing. So make sure um, keep keep your keys your keys uh, close to you. That that fob or whatever that is, keep that close to you. It, it does help. Okay. If you carry a physical car key, number four, uh, keep in your hand, especially when walking alone, especially in parking lots. That makes so much sense. And you know what? I I have found myself plenty of times that. If I don't have my phone in my hand while I'm walking, I actually have my keys in my hand. And the reason why this is important, especially um, not just men, but ladies, um, walking in dark places, um, even in lit, well, well-lit places. It could be daylight or in the dark. But what it does, it causes that the time, from the time you get close to the car or reach the car to get in, there is no lag time. Whereas many times, I, I've seen um, plenty, especially, I'm just going to say, Ladies, a lot of times they're they're dig through their purses to look for their keys before opening the door. So there's some lag time from the time they get right there near their door looking for their keys, press the alarm to unlock the door, then get in the car. And then sometimes you don't need the, the physical key to start the car as far as you're not sticking it in the ignition. The keys just need to be close to the car. Um, and then there there are new models now that once it recognizes that the key is getting close to the car, it will unlock the door. Uh, there are those parameters now, too. So I do understand this completely to um, reduce lag time, especially if there's ever an emergency and you need to run and get to that car quick. There's nothing like, um, and you, you all have seen it, uh, where um, you, you look, and I, I, I know it's kind of cliche, I don't know, but you see it in movies, you see it in shows where someone's running, they're trying to get away from whatever, um, there's a terrorist attack or there is a shooting or a, some type of bombing or something chaotic. Let's just say it's an emergency and you're running to your car to hurry up and go get your child or rush um, your wife off to emergency to go have the child, whatever that is only to find that once you get to the car, now you're digging for your keys. Uh, I can't get in, I can't get in, where are my keys? Where? That should never be, guys, ladies and gentlemen, that should never be. Your keys should be, if you do put them in a purse, they should be in this, in this one particular pocket at all times, whatever pocket that is. I don't know, choose one. Just make sure you're consistent with that. Gentlemen, you should always be able, you shouldn't have any reason to look for keys. I mean, um, uh, if you if you carry a wallet, and now some you know a lot of people don't. But it, gentlemen, if you carry a wallet, your wallet's usually in your back pocket, unless you don't have any pockets, and it may be in your front pocket, and your keys might be in the other pocket. So, I mean, really, we shouldn't be looking for keys, even if 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 we don't have the keys in our hand. If you're walking close to your car and your keys are in your pocket, gentlemen, there's no reason that as you get close to your car that you're not pushing the unlock button to get in the car okay so th there shouldn't be any reason why there should be any lag time ladies and gentlemen okay so let's just make sure we try to stay safe and keep that rolling okay uh, number five set the home address in your smartphone GPS or other devices to an address near your home but not your actual home address I originally completely disagree with that but then I understand it here's why if you have a phone and, you know, it's one thing, your, your GPS, you're trying to track where you're coming from to where you need to go to get back home to give you a general idea of 
you know, of how to get back based upon where you got lost at or, you know, wherever that is. Let's say, for instance, hey, I'm in, I'm in Michigan and uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out the best route back to such and such in Texas. Uh, I get it. However, if you lose your phone in Michigan or down the street or around the corner or at the mall or whatever, and your home address is set in your phone and you're dealing with somebody who's going to be completely dishonest anyway, they're not even going to take your phone and wipe it, but they're actually going to use your phone to figure out where you live. So that way, um, if you're that um, careless with your phone, let's see if you're that careless in your home address. And all of a sudden now they know exactly where you live, what car you drive and anything because you have all these different things set in your phone. Okay, so the, the likelihood of making sure that you don't use your home address, that is to make sure that it's four houses down the street or whatever the case may be, but it's not necessarily your home. So if you ever lost anything, they would not co go to your physical home. It might be nearby, but it won't be near your home, which is why you want to take your personal address out and make it an address that is nearby, but not your actual home. So I thought that was kind of cool um, because as I start thinking about that more, it made a lot more sense to make sure that um, your address in your phone uh, for location purposes only, only because you just want to know how to get back to <clears throat> make sense to make sure that if your um, device is ever found, it does not have uh, that location info. Okay, so that's that's great. So remember that. That's number five. Make sure you uh, use someone else's address close to, close to you, but not your physical. Okay, uh, number six, enable remote wipe uh, for your smartphone. Again, um, now, I'm an Android guy, um, so I can, only, I can speak Android. Many of you um, are Apple, which is fine. You know, you have iPhones, you know. Um, matter of fact, my daughter just recently lost her phone. Uh, actually, not just lost it, but somebody stole it at the grocery store. See, that's the climate we're in right now. Um, she went to pay and uh, getting groceries, and this was probably about two weeks ago, about a week or so ago. Went to go get some groceries, she, and... And she put, um, she had her phone in her hand, but because she had to reach in her purse, she put her phone on the, on the counter um, to, I think it was to her right, while she went through her purse to grab her wallet to pay for such and such. And as she paid for it, she went to reach over to grab her phone, and you know what, her phone was gone. That, I was like, wait, what? But then again, why were you putting your phone down? Why didn't you have your wallet in your hand? Why did you have to go digging through? Again, there's a whole lot of different ways I can go through. But this is the climate we're dealing in. We're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we're at right now. People are taking stuff. They are. So with her phone, because it's an iPhone, you know, you can, for you iPhone users, you know a lot better than I do that, you know, you can log in and say, you know, you know, look for my phone or whatever that is. But the person turned off the phone completely. So, you know, if the phone's completely off, you can't find it. Now, there might be a hack to get around that. I don't know that. But, um, so she really couldn't wipe her phone. Now, if they turn back on the phone, um, she had to call the service and all that kind of stuff to go through 
to make sure that once they turn back on the phone, it automatically downloads to try to wipe and all that kind of stuff. But these are different things that we have to go through. So make sure you try to enable a remote wipe for your smartphone. So if it's ever stolen or what have you, um, they're not using your phone and trying to get into all your personal uh, information. And with that regard, um, make sure you have locks and fingerprint. I don't, I don't care if it's a retina eye scan, whatever that is that you need to do. Um, don't just have your password on your phone real quick. And then once that main password is in, um, somebody has access to everything else. So because if you do a whole lot of uh, banking and all that kind of stuff on your phone and you have no passwords, everything is via the main original password when they first got it, uh, got in or broke into your phone, it's a wrap. Your life is about to get completely wiped, okay? So make sure you use all the proper protocols in um, dealing with that, okay? All right, we're getting close. We're getting close. Okay, so do not over-share on social media. That goes without saying. Um, don't say so much. I know we're, we like to be very transparent and all that kind of stuff, but watch what you say, especially when it's dealing with pertinent um, information, dealing with social security, date of birth, and blah, blah, blah. You know, because not everyone is listening to hear your content. Some people are listening to figure out what they can get out of you in order to take from you. So make sure you're being very cautious when you are um, putting things out there on social media, especially you dealing with the certain type of pictures that you're putting out there, um, certain type of content, even with your children posting their pictures. Remember, everybody it does not always have your best interest at heart. We know there's a lot of prowlers, a lot of thieves, a lot of um, um, spammers and Oh man, catfish. Oh man, come on. I mean, some of you watch the show. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. Okay, so make sure you're not oversharing so much so on social media. Okay, so make sure you're very, very uh, conscious with that. Uh, lock up dangerous medications that are candidates for abuse. Parents, parents, parents. Um, if you have any type of medications that are out, they should be put away. Please put them away. Don't put them in the bottom cabinet. Put them away, okay? Um, you know, I know there's safety precaution caps and all that kind of stuff that are on some of these medications, stuff like that. But put these things away. Um, we know that for sure that, um, I know that uh, many years ago, I'm not sure if they still do it, but even teenagers for a while were going through looking for prescription meds that their parents uh, grandparents and what have you would have in the house uh, just so they can go to a party and they pour them in a jar and they used to call it skittling to where um, everybody would contribute that pouring a bunch of prescription meds into a jar and uh, the youth these teenagers would just throw a party and they would just grab anything out of that jar and just take it okay so do your best parents 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 um, to lock up these prescription meds, put them out the way. Because the last, last thing you want is for your child, uh, your toddler, or someone to get access to these meds, cause death, be addicted, or whatever the case may be, okay? So let's just think about those things, right? All right, number nine, do not let anyone see you enter sensitive information into a computerized device. You're at Starbucks, 
and you're shopping online and uh, you're on your MacBook Pro, uh, your smartphone, your iPad, whatever that is, your iPhone, and you're shopping online and you're entering in your credit card number. Should I say any more thing, thing else about that? Unless you're on a VPN or whatever, guys, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. And uh, VPN, virtual private network. Um, don't do that, especially if you're pulling out, pulling out a card. Again, not everybody's there to go get, you know, a, a venti caramel macchiato. Not everybody's going to get a, ch a chai tea, okay? Some people are there to look for people that are doing uh, very unsafe things so they can capture that information. All right, so don't do that. Okay, cover cameras. I was like, wait, wait, what? Number 10 is cover cameras. Like, why would I want to cover my camera? But then I realized it's not talking about my security camera. It's talking about the cameras that are in front of you all the time. Your phone, your iPad, your, um, your laptops that have cameras built into them. Especially when you're going to um, hotel rooms. Especially. Because if you ever use a hotel um, Wi-Fi, sometimes you can be hacked, ladies and gentlemen. You can be hacked where somebody starts using your camera as a webcam. The best way to cover your camera device on any of your electronic devices is, for instance, if you're on a laptop, close the lid. Close the lid. If you're on an iPad or a smartphone, put it on a flat surface, turn it upside down. So if it's upside down, the camera will be facing either up at the ceiling or down at the desk that it's on. So that's for, for protection. So let me, let me share this with you. This is another thing. So probably about, I would say for me, it's probably been, hmm, I want to say 10 years ago, 10 years. So, um, I, and I tried this. I had heard probably 25 years ago that a certain individual was going to a hotel room. And what they did was they went, they went to the, they went to this, they went, they went, they went, they went to this hotel room. And what they did was they took the towel and they put it over the television. Okay. So when they put the towel over the television, uh, what ended up happening was they received a knock at their door. I was like, oh, so? And they were asking from uh, the downstairs, from the guest network, from the, the guest services, I should say, are you okay? He was like, why would I be okay? Oh, we were just checking. And I realized that what was happening is there was a camera built into um, the TV service. There was a camera built into the TV service. And again, that was 25 years ago. And of course, I didn't believe it. So what I ended up doing one time, I decided I was going to, and again, this happens a lot, in, especially in your better hotels, because especially now that you have um, all this technology, you know, there's not too many things that you can get away with. And you have AI, which is artificial intelligence. You have all these different things going on. So probably about uh, 12 years ago, I was in, I went to Vegas. I was in Vegas. Stand at one particular uh, hotel, and I decided 
I wanted to try it. So when I took one of my bath towels, I wasn't watching TV anymore or whatever, and uh, um, I decided to take a towel and put it over uh, the television. And to be very truthful, it wasn't 10 minutes later that there was a knock at the door. They're saying, is everything okay? So ladies and gentlemen, never assume that your privacy is private. Never assume that, okay? Um, <clears throat> number 11, check for skimmers and hidden cameras. Goes without saying, when you're, when you're going to the ATMs and you're going to the gas station, stuff like that, there are many people that are very technologically savvy that they're putting things inside of these ATM, these slot uh, devices where you would normally put your credit slash debit card, and they're actually pulling information. So when you slide your card in that, in that area, they're actually pulling information off your card. And then we wonder why your bank account has been hacked and why money is missing and stuff like that. That's how it's being done. So make sure you're paying attention to all that you are doing, especially when using your ATM or uh, credit card or whatever, wherever, no matter where you're using that. If something looks weird, don't use it. Go, go to another spot, okay? If it just looks weird, if something, why is this addition? Why does this look like this has been added? You know, especially if you had a gas pump and something looks weird, look at another gas pump and see if they match, okay? Before just to see before you slide that that card, all right? Okay. Um, Reveal sensitive information when appropriate on outbound calls, not inbound. So if you make an outbound call and you're trying to give information because you're making an outbound call to a proper person that you know of that you need to give certain information to, great. But when it's coming into you and they're requesting information and it's no one that you're expecting or suspecting, don't do it. Okay, <laughs> don't do it. You know, IRS don't call you. They send you mail first. Okay, so... Uh, same thing with Social Security. They will send you some mail first before anything. So um, they'll talk about, hey, I'm the de de deputy director for the IRS and you need to call us back at such and such because we need your information. If, 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 you, if you ever get a phone call, the first thing you want to ask is, who are you? What do you need? And if they start asking you for information, you say, well, you first ask them, what do you have on file? That's the first thing you do. What do you have on file? Well, we need to know if it's you. Wait a minute, you called here. You tell me what my information is. And if they can't do that, you already know it's already a scam. Okay, so just leave it at that. Let's, let's just keep it pushing, all right? So likewise, number 13, never trust that a phone call was placed to your room. Um, oh, yeah. Never trust that the phone call that came to your room, this is dealing with those of you that are in a hotel, maybe traveling. Uh, maybe hide down in a hotel room for the time being with coronavirus. But never trust that the phone call that came into your room came from inside the hotel room, okay, uh, or from inside the hotel. Just because they say, hey, this is the front desk, you want to verify it's the front desk, especially when they start asking you for information, okay? So be very safe and cautious when you're doing what you're doing, what you need to do. Uh, do not have conversations with wrong number callers. <clears throat> Okay, so if somebody calls and you know they have the wrong number, hang up on them. You know, don't have a long conversation. You know, I had a guy call me, and maybe you get it too. I, so I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe this will crush him right now. So he called me, and I'm like, 
who is this? And the first thing he asks is, he says, is Rosie there? I said, no, Rosie's not here. You got the wrong number. So then the next thing you know, well, maybe you can help me. I'm, I'm a such and such. I'm like going, click. Don't continue to listen to it. Don't continue to have a conversation. Let them go. Hang up on them and keep it pushing. All right. Um, don't have a conversation with these people. In emergency situations, number 15, use flashlights, flashlights for light, not candles. And what that means is if you're going to be moving from room to room with a certain light, it needs to be not a candle. Not a candle. Here's why. Because, you know, candles are different things. They can leak. They can fall over. They can cause fires, blah, 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 and make a bad situation even worse. Use a flashlight for moving back and forth. Okay? It goes without saying. Safety, safety, safety. <clears throat> 16. And this is probably going to mess with plenty of you. If you have one, learn how to carry a gun. Again, if you have one, learn how to carry it. Treat every gun as if it's loaded. Okay, so if you have a gun, make sure you treat it all the time if it's loaded. Just treat it right, okay? Never point a weapon at anything that you don't intend to destroy. That goes without saying. I remember um, when we were younger, now, this might not apply to, quote-unquote, real firearm, but when I was younger, my father gave, um, gave us a pellet gun. And we're not talking about a Red Ryder BB gun, you know, those little plink, plink, plink little plinkers. Okay, it was a 22. It, it shot lead. And this was, the old, this was the old guard of pumping. So remember, you had to pump it like, you know, three, four, five, uh, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, the more you pumped it, the more the pressure was, the more powerful it was. That's the type of pellet gun we had. But it was, it was made by a company called Benjamin. Hardwood and steel. I mean, it was the real stuff. This thing was heavy. Um, but he always taught us, even when uh, we hadn't pumped it yet, even when we didn't load it yet. And then again, this was a rifle. We always carried it with the barrel facing the ground or facing straight up in the air. Never out facing never angle facing or anything it was either straight down or straight up okay so again you must put the proper safety protocols in place if you own a gun it must be locked it must be secured the ammo must be put away okay it shouldn't just be easily accessible okay uh, and it says, when not in use, a firearm needs to be locked in some kind of secure container. Gun vault is always the best. That is so true. Gun vault is always the best. If it cannot be secured in a lockdown location, then a trigger lock should be applied. A loaded firearm should be never unattended. If you are keeping a loaded firearm in your house, and there are no guards in place to keep it from being in the wrong hands and taking the wrong person out. You're wrong. You're wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Again, think safety, safety, safety. Let's move on. <clears throat> 17, create an active shooter survival plan. It says 70% of shooting situations strike at commercial businesses or schools. 
Tragically, this kind of violence is on the rise. If you're caught in an attack, your best chances for survival are having a plan and seeing it through. So it, whether you're at work or at home, do you have an active shooter survival plan? If someone came in through your front door right now or came in through your side door, whatever that is, and started looking for somebody to shoot, what is your plan? If you don't have one, create one. All right, let's go. 18, be polite during traffic stops. Do I need to say any more? There are so many people, I know my rights. I need to know why you have, and I need, this is not what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen. It says when a police officer approaches uh, your automobile, automobile, follow these steps to display courtesy and show that you are no threat. In this type of crisis that we're in right now, the last thing you want to do is be um, very uh, mouthy. I'm just going to put it like that, mouthy. It re it, and that's regardless of race, color, or creed, or sexual orientation. Do not be mouthy because you think you know your rights. I get it. We all have rights. But in this climate right now, everyone is trying to be safe, including our police officers. So here's what you do. Number one, you turn off the radio, turn off the car, keep your hands on a steering wheel or rest both on your empty uh, hands outside. Make sure your hand uh, out the window it says this signals to the officer that you are cooperative. But it also shows that you're personally that you personally know police officers and have asked them that they recommend you do when you pulled over, which is weird, um, because in all honesty, that's just, that's the same thing they ask you to do when you pull over. That's kind of how this worded. This is kind of stupid. Ooh, whoever wrote this is stupid. But anyway, weird, crazy. But what's supposed to happen is. When they pull you over, they will ask you, put your, you know, put your hands out the window, roll down the window, put your hands out the window, da, 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 da. So why not just be prepared to do that already? You know, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Let's just make sure that we're good. So if it's dark, turn on the interior lights to show that you have nothing to hide. Okay? Um, if you get pulled over and you're in the dark, especially if it's dark, he's got his lights on you, and then you're doing all this moving in the car, Come on, chances are, especially if it's not just you in the car, and it's like four other bodies in the car. I don't. It could be children, adults, teenagers, whatever the case may be. If you're doing a whole lot of moving in the car, let's. I was gonna be honest with you. If I'm if I'm a police officer, I'm a cop. First thing I would think is there's something shady going on inside this car. What are they trying to hide? What do they have in the car? And then the next thing you know, I'm thinking about. Am I gonna walk up to the window? And then somebody roll down a window and blow me away. We've seen it all too many times on every piece of social media where um, sometimes the police officer is trying to do the right thing and somebody does something stupid. We've seen the wrong thing, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive to that fact. But again, right now we're talking about us. We, we want to. Uh, make sure that we're not putting ourselves in a compromising position <clears throat> when and if we're being pulled over. 
Okay, so while we're on this, the next thing is learn the phrases you should never say to a cop. <laughs> you ready for this? Hope you're taking notes. First one says this. Who are you? Tell me what you tell me what to do. Who are you? Tell me what. You, so if he has a, a uniform, he's got his badge and all that. And then you start getting mouthy and you start questioning whether he's a cop or not. Don't do that. And the next thing, don't say this. You don't get to tell me uh, where I go or what I can't say. Again, mouthy. Don't do that. Don't get into the next one that says, I pay your salary. Don't do that. When he's talking to you, I mean, again, we all have bad days. Because some of y'all you, that I'm talking to right now, that some of you that listen, think about sometimes when you've talked to your boss, or you talk to some of your workers where you've had a bad day and you haven't always said or had the right mannerisms when you talk to them. Cops have bad days too. And then you say something like, you're a jerk. Don't do that. If the people that work for you said that to you, how would you handle it? Think about it. How would you handle that? If your boss called you a jerk, how would you handle it? If your child called you a jerk, how would you handle it? What would your response be? So think about that. Um, uh, also, uh, don't you have anything better to do? Don't do that. And the last one says, you're talking to me when there are other criminals out there that you should be pulling over? Don't do that. Don't do that. If he pulled you over, more than likely there's a reason. Whether you came to a stop, uh, your registration's expired, license plate's expired, um, you have a headlight, taillight out, or if you're in California, you have no front license plate, um, there's always, there's something. You're, and if you're in California, your exhaust is too loud, need I go on? There's always reasons, okay? So let's keep it going. Let's keep it pushing. Um, the next one, avoid first floor hotel rooms. There's a lot of reasons I do not want to stay on the first floor in the hotel room. Okay, so when you get a chance, look that one up real quick. You know, Google that and say why I don't want to be on the first floor uh, hotel room. Why? why? You know, um, just Google that. There's, a, there's so much in that. Okay, next one. Part, uh, pack emergency gear in your car's trunk. There should always be an emergency kit somewhere, whether in your trunk, in your armrest, whatever the case may be. We get hit. Um, there are snake bites, there are cuts, there are, so there should always be band-aids, a cup of water, a flashlight, a couple other different things that you should have, an emergency kit for just-in-case scenarios, because we know just-in-case happens, <clears throat> all right? Forgive me, my throat's getting a little dry, but we're going to keep it pushing because we are going to finish this up, all right? It says, always be on the lookout when uh, approaching your car, and I know we don't do it, let's just be honest. Um, I'm very weary about a lot of different things because uh, I try to be pretty pretty cautious for the most part. But when you're approaching your car, make sure you have you're not tunnel vision, meaning that you're only focused on your car. Keep an eye on what's going on around you when you're approaching your car, the, regardless of whether it's daylight or nighttime hours. Always be cautious about what's going around you 
while you're approaching your car. Okay. Uh, 23, it says, uh, uh, add poison control hotline to your phone. That's a great one. You know what? And I, I saw that and I thought to myself, said, that's the first thing I need to do. Um, because if you have children, grandchildren, whatever the case may be, or people that you work with, um, and you have chemicals, treatments, uh, uh, whatever, minerals, whatever that is in your places of work, uh, you know, in your job, in your home, your garage, whatever that is, um, you need to have a poison hotline because um, if anybody uh, uh, decides to drink something, inhale something, swallow something, um, having that hotline um, is, is an asset too, as well as 911, okay? So you can have both, you know what I'm saying? And you would actually know uh, what to do, what not to do, what to give them, what not to give them by having uh, this. So, um, and it's called the American Association of uh, Poison Control Centers, okay? So add that. Um, as a matter of fact, it's a toll-free number. It's 1-800-222-1222. Again, 1-800-222-1222, all right? So make sure you add that. Uh, the next one is keep an EpiPen on hand. In this climate, there's a lot of things going on. So uh, let's just talk about what it does. Um, often the difference between life and death is knowing what to do in an emergency and having the right tools on hand. The uh, department chair of uh, thoracic surgery at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New Life, New York, recommends uh, these three life-saving items, which you won't find in a typical first aid kit. And the first one was an EpiPen, could save a life by stopping or slowing a deadly or allergic rea reaction. <clears throat> That's what an EpiPen does. It will stop or slow down an allergic reaction. Okay, and if you have someone um, who has who or is very uh, um, has high allergies and different things like that, in the mountains, you're here, there, wherever that is, and they have this crazy attack, get them with that EpiPen. That'll slow it down or eliminate it. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, so you just want to make sure that, add that, add that to your, uh, your repertoire, if you want to call it, add it to your repertoire, so that way, um, uh, as far as your emergency kit, it says, I have a mapped fire escape plan, home life, work life, do you have a mapped out evacuation plan in case of a fire? Do you have that? If not, create one. Create one. If a fire broke out in your home or place of business, does everyone know what to do? Okay. So if you don't, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Don't 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 sit on it. Don't sleep on it. Um, get that going. Okay. In install at home fail safe. That's number twenty six. Install at home fail safe. That means carbon monoxide detectors and all these different things. You should have them. Make sure your batteries are charged up. Make sure you got proper batteries in these things. And those alarms and those bells, make sure you have the proper batteries. Make sure everything is charged up and ready to roll. <clears throat> okay. 27. Designator, create a secret family code phrase. Now, that, that is good, especially uh, at home. I'm not sure if that will work in the workplace, but let's talk about the home uh, this works great, especially when you have children, even if maybe it's just you and your spouse and there is no children involved, or maybe it's just a house full of just adults. <clears throat> Make sure 
that there's some type of crisis code phrase that you have. So um, let's say something happens at home and they call and say, and that person says, body odor. And that's all they say. But you know that means this is a 911 emergency and we need to go to such, 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 because that's the code word you use with body odor without going into a whole lot of detail, okay? So that's what this really means. And I think this is great because that means when that is said and you know it's the people within your circle that understands what this word means, know that it is a crisis, okay? So that, I think that's a good thing. And on top of that, create a crisis plan. So if there is a crisis, what is the plan for it? Or, uh, whether it's medical emergency, who needs to be contacted. Um, if you pass out, who is that person who takes over and acts on your behalf? What is that plan? With that being said, in that plan, error that should be added in there is recent photo, fingerprints, emergency contact information. I just talked about that. Have a photocopy of your passport if you don't have one. Pertinent information on medical uh, conditions, allergies, or immunizations. So, whoever's in charge, who's going to be taken over to uh, fill in and giving information on your behalf, should have all these different things. Anything, if you're if you're also taking any type of medications, that person should also know what those medications are. Especially returning them over to a doctor, to a nurse, or whatever the case may be. Okay, and if need be, a DNA sample. All right. Next one, strong room. I was like, a strong room? What is that? That is a place to hold up in. Do you have a strong room or do you have the capability of having one? Okay. If there is a strong room that you could use to hold up in in case of some type of disaster, um, a, a robber or a break in or what, do you have a strong room? So throughout the course of time, while listening, you know, think about that. Uh, fence your pool. If you have a pool, make sure it's fenced off. It goes without saying, dealing with children. Last thing you want somebody is to fall in um, because of, of our lack of security in dealing with that. Okay. Again, fence your pool um, and keep it um, safe. All right. Update your garage door code. This is a good one. So... There's so much that could be had right now um, on a technology front. And um, some people are still using the, the garage door pads in front of the garage door, which is, which is fine. Um, but if your, car, if your code was 411 10 years ago and you're in the same spot, still using the same 411 code, people that used to live there um, knew your 411 code and so on and so forth, it's time to update it. Come on, people. It's time to update it. You probably should it, You probably should change your code probably every 30 days. Okay? Just like you would change your password on many of your platforms at work and software um, where your password is only good for 30 days, uh, you probably should change that code on your um, garage door every 30 days. Yes, we know that there's plenty of devices that can jump code and all that kind of stuff, but do your best to protect yourself, okay? 
Um, and with that being said, on that garage door, on the garage door entry area, basically the door that separates the garage from your house. So once you come in through your roll-up garage door, then you have the garage door entry that goes into your house. Make sure that door is secure. <clears throat> because uh, a garage door can just, you know, let's just say uh, if somebody gets a code hopper and opens up your garage door. If you're the type of person who likes to leave their garage entry door unlocked, you're going to allow that person just to walk right on in. All right? Secure it. Um, the other thing is dealing with doors is if you have a sliding patio door or sliding doors uh, at in your house anywhere, you know, there are different bars and, and um, security latches that you can use along the floor of the door that will keep that secure and keep it from opening. Please use this time right now um, with safety to apply that to your doors to keep them from sliding open. You know, my parents, I know we had a patio door, a puppy was large. And my father had a large, um, it was almost like a broomstick, but it was a larger, it was pretty pretty thick though. And he had it cut to match the, the door size where between it slides and where it completely uh, opens. And he drops that down in the track every single day and it, and it stays there completely unless we actually open uh, open it for cooling the house or something like that but it stays down in that track why because if anybody ever tried to break in and tried to slide that door open the stick keeps it from even moving so think about that there are different ways of keeping um, those sliding doors from moving don't just put uh, a little latch or uh, a screw um, or something, you know, flimsy to keep it from opening. Use something large, something massive, something of substance that's going to deter that potential thief or robber from uh, coming in. Okay, uh, 33, lock second story um, uh, windows. And I was like, what? Why? Because there are some people that I've been researching that when they break into homes, especially if they're two-story homes, they actually prefer to come in through the second story because they know more than not, they're likely unlocked. I didn't, I was like, wow, I, I, I didn't think of it that way. I don't even know how they would get to the second story in some places, but, but that's what they prefer. These thieves, that's what they prefer because they know it's easy access once, once, you know, once they get to that second story. So if you're on a second story, keep those windows locked, okay? Especially when you leave that home, keep those windows locked. Um, 34, learn to think like a thief. Um, I know many of us are not thieves. Many of us, we're, we're not thieves. We don't look to steal anything. However, I have learned that if I was a thief, Here's what I would do. So have that mentality. So based upon what I protect and how I do things is if I was somebody breaking into my home, if I was somebody breaking into my car, if I was somebody that was going to do this, if I was, and I look at every scenario based upon 
if I was a thief, here's how I would approach things to get ahead. So if you think like that, protect it like that. Okay, so um, in everything that you do, everything that you do, your purse, your login information, uh, uh, your car, your home, your garage, for guys, your toolbox, your tools that you've invested so much money into, you know, those Mac tools, those Snap-on, those Craftsman, those, you know, you all, you know all the names. Okay, so think about that. All right. And um, 35, you should be able to spot a deceiver or a liar. Okay, again, like I said earlier, not everybody that comes into your life is there for you um, because they really are for you. Many people come into your life to take from you. And if they're there to take from you, try to spot that earlier rather than later. Okay, because they come, they will deceive you, they will lie to you, ask them a a basic question and they for instance if you're saying to them if you're asking them hey I'm in um, I'm in LA and I want to know how to get to Bakersfield but instead of them saying oh well you know you you leave LA you take the such such freeway and you go up to such a, but what they do is they tell you a story about how to go all the way to Texas go all to Montana and such and such, and they are, and they skirt around the question of how to get to Bakersfield. And P, and there are so many people that are like that, that they just can't deal a direct question. Ask them, hey, did you take my shampoo? Now, why would I want to take your shampoo? Do you know the type of person I am? I'm the type of person that would such and such and such, rather than just outright saying, no, I don't even need your shampoo. No, I wouldn't take it. Okay, learn how to spot that type of person. Okay, so especially in this season right now, be very, very careful. All right, everybody's not for your best interest. Okay, turn off locators on social media. So this goes without saying, without uh, too much response in this. Um, on social media, they know you're not home. Um, they know where you live. People who know you know where you live. They know exactly where, where your address is. And you're saying, hey, I'm away in Vegas for such and such, going to be gone for two weeks and staying at, enjoying my wife, staying at um, the Venetian. Well, I'm glad you're having a good time, but you just told me that you're going to be gone for two weeks. You're at the Venetian. So basically, I've got at least two weeks to possibly break into your house and steal everything that you got. Turn your locators off, guys. Turn them off. Don't put, hey, Sean's at so-and-so. Hey, Deborah's at so-and-so. Turn them off. Turn them off. That's too much information. All right? Shred your junk mail. Boop. Easy stuff. Shred it. Shred that junk mail. So if you get any junk mail to the house, turn that stuff off. Get rid of it. Shred it. Put that in the shredder and don't just put it in, in just a basic. Get the one that actually turns it into confetti. Those are awesome ones. Turn, get the one that turns it into confetti. All right. And the next one is, which is the last one. It says a fake wallet or. I was like, what? I know people are not traveling right now. I get it. 
But in travel, but when you're traveling, when you're going to the store, you know, because that's what people are doing right now. They're going to the store. They're going to get toilet paper. They're going to get, you know, those antibacterial things, the hygienic things. Says, um, <clears throat> and then you have, and because you're, um, there are people around, people are looking, you know, people, some people aren't working. They're not making money. They're looking for ways of making money without making it. And sometimes that includes taking from you. So in their mind, they're subsidizing their income. So wherever you keep your important things, whether it's credit cards, uh, debit cards, your cash, uh, whatever that currency is, your identification, make sure it's in a place where it's not going to be easily taken from you. You know, I know guys, for the most part, our wallets are in a back pocket, whatever. And uh, especially if you're carrying, uh, you have loose fitting clothing. Um, if you have somebody that's very talented in their craft or skill, there's many times where you can be distracted and they will pull from you and you'll never know it's gone. Find a way or another place where either you can have that fake wallet, let's just say if it's in the back pocket, and but then your real wallet's like in your front pocket or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, but it's just a thought. It's just a thought. Now, if you're wearing a jacket, maybe instead of having the wallet in your back pocket, you have it on your inside, your inside pocket of your jacket. Or maybe somewhere else. Or maybe uh, you have a money clip um, or a small card, something that's in your front pocket with maybe, you know, uh, some cash or something. But you have to think a little bit smarter, especially in this climate, because right now it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, there's a lot of things that are, there's a lot of uh, second breakouts and things that are happening right now. And we have to find ways of making sure that we are keeping our families, ourselves, number one, ourselves, our families, our coworkers, our constituents, our fellow associates safe. And it starts with us, ladies and gentlemen. It starts with us. We have to stay safe in all facets of everything that we're doing. Well, I'm going to end, go ahead and end this broadcast right here. Um, I, I figured that it would be very um, advantageous to talk about safety because this is the climate we're in. We need to be safe. <clears throat> and again, it starts with us. It starts with us in everything that we do. Um, feel free to take the time to uh, give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe uh, to this uh, podcast and enjoy it. And we will once again be posting every Monday and Friday. Again, that's every week, Monday and Friday. So stay tuned. More content will be coming at you. You know where I can be reached. I'm dealing with at gmail.com. I'm Sean at IDW. Thank you for listening.